Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs. All right, welcome to another episode of Search Talk Live. I'm your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber of Roar Internet Marketing in Orlando, Florida. Matt, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And uh, again, you and I are practicing social distancing, not being together into the studio like so many other businesses. Our operation has changed during the COVID-19 era. Yes, yes. And I honestly like it. <laughs> I, mean, I miss you, but don't get me wrong. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're, you're not climbing the walls yet? No, not yet. Uh, actually, in my personal life, yes, I am. But uh, as far as doing the show from home, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Now, how about your food selection since we've been isolating here in Florida? Has your food variety changed? Not really. We try to stay pretty healthy. Um, the The wife is staying on me to lose weight, and uh, it's working. <laughs> oh, wow. That's impressive. You can lose weight during this time? Oh, yeah. Just stop eating. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. So today we are... Uh, we are really going to be talking some more local search. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19, uh, things that are kind of happening in, in the world of digital. Our guest is John Bong, who's a local search specialist, and he's currently in Canada. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Robert and Matt. I'm looking forward to uh, helping your audience members learn a little bit more on, on local. Yeah, fantastic. And John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so... Back in 2013, that's when I started and founded a company called Local SEO Search based here in Toronto, Canada. But prior to that, I actually uh, worked in the directory business in local as well, but in a printed format, which was the Yellow Pages. So I was working there for over five years. And prior to that, I did work in another directory, but it wasn't called Yellow Pages. It was called the Red Pages. So for me, I got to really understand the digital. Uh, I worked in affiliate marketing for a little bit as well, understood everything in terms of CPM, uh, the ad space, as well as display and everything else. Um, but really, I, I focused on local because um, transitioning from Yellow Pages over to Google was a very seamless and easy transition because I was already dealing with a lot of local business owners. And that was what they were looking for, really, just um, moving some of their ad spend to something that was working way better today. It's, a, it's interesting, Robert, we've got somebody using the word yellow pages on the show. And I'm yeah, wondering how many of our listeners remember the yellow pages, the original Google My Business. Exactly. <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive into it a little bit. Um, John, in the situation that we're in, we're getting a lot of clients just really not knowing what to do. They're, you know, the world is gone upside down. And and a lot of them are kind of like, well, I just want to stop all my advertising and, and stop my SEO. And, and I really have been trying to harp that it's the, that's the wrong decision. Because, you know, in this type of industry, the world eventually is going to come back. And the fact that, you know, when it comes to SEO, you want to be in the right place when the world does come back, right? Exactly. Uh, when it comes to paid advertising, if they're not searching, you're not spending. So there's, you know, if, if they're searching, you want to get those people. You want to be in the right place. Yeah. So I, I've noticed in the past month, we've been fairly consistent and busy. Um, not only has business owners been focusing more on what medium works and what doesn't in terms right. of advertising spend, but really refining on what's the return on investment, right? Understanding right. what's the true value and top funnel versus in the middle funnel versus really interested funnel. Um, and where are you spending money and your ideal customers? So what we found is because SEO is more of a long-term strategy, but building your authority expertise and positioning you, yourself as that authoritative figure, um, right. we find that People who were spending heavily on ads are now moving towards more SEO because at this time, they're probably not spending much on ads as more and more people are moving for, to more of a long-term strategy, like sure. positioning themselves because in the end of the day, next couple months, things are going to pick up again. 
and yep. you want to position yourself so that you are found organically get more of the traffic and end of the funnel kind of leads right mm -hmm. so what we've positioned ourselves and our company and clients is um yes we did have some clients pause maybe 10 percent of our clients paused the campaign right which yeah. was fine like i i've built a long-term relationship with all of them so i i felt what they were feeling but sure. i tried to sway them and let them know like it's probably best not to pause but if that's what you would like to do, you know, as a business owner to a business owner, I'm not going to say no. Yes, I pause some of the campaigns, but I also advise them like you still need to continue engaging with your audience members by proactively adding content, adding social posts, spending some uh, dollars to generate some brand awareness and traction. So right. it's top funnel activity yeah. uh, because end of the day, that top funnel will eventually trickle down to really hot prospect. So mm -hmm. um, what you need to do is consistently keep that message out there so that people know that you're around. Another thing that I've been pushing for all my active clients are um, to own your list, own your database of real customers and engage with them, right? Yes. Not only owning that newsletter and email or whatever, personalize, the, personalize each message and give more value. So create some webinars, tutorials, or some informative uh, information where you can actually relate to what they're going through and teach them best practices on now, if you've never worked from home, here are what I've been doing working from home. Here are some of the tools and software that I've been using that you can use, right? Uh, yep. Things that are actually tangible things that they can actually use. Um, and then of course, let them know like this is a great time to reflect on your business to figure out what are the streams of income what are the services you really want to focus on and, and what hasn't really been driving profitability over the years right and yeah. refine that art understanding what the customer uh, the business goals are and try to go after where they want to be in the future right so in the next six months a year two years like where do you want to see yourself so paint a picture of more long-term strategy as opposed to short-term reactive yeah. position yourself as that authoritative figure when we get through this time yeah there are, and there are some short-term things that businesses can do google has rolled out some google my business functionality to help businesses communicate changes in their operation during the COVID-19 era. Can you summarize those for the audience? Yeah, so with Google, they're always trying to be proactive. So you can update your listing on Google. The, the challenge with the COVID-19 is all storefronts are closed except necessity items, you know, some takeout food, um, grocery stores and whatnot. So ultimately, you know, you, you're not gonna get the same volume of activity. As much as there's stuff you want to present yourself on Google and update that information, the challenge is there's not as many search queries and there's not as many people look, looking for your services, right? right? So what I always tell people is own that list. As much as Google gives you that information and tool of people that are searching nearby or searching within that area, people aren't doing that anymore. They're not on their device on a smartphone driving. You're not even allowed out of your home. So think about other opportunities. How can you get more traffic to your site? And once they get to your site, what can you do to own that email address? What can you do to offer more of a long-term upfront income? Like if there's a way that you can you know, front load your offer, product or service, so that it's a, a six month or a year commitment, they can use it, a gift card or whatever it may be. That allows for more immediate re income and revenue versus more of a transactional revenue. Does and I that think that that's super important too. I mean, like as a, an agency helping a business owner, uh, reaching out to your clients and, 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 you know, giving them some tips and maybe some ideas that are kind of out of the box to let them know that you care. Yeah, yeah. there's a great um, article, I think it was just put out today by Think With Google, and it discusses the importance of fluidity during this time and being able to change operationally how you do things in the COVID era, how you market things in the COVID area. And we're seeing some examples of that. We're seeing car dealers now promote the fact that you can take a virtual car drive and that you can do minimized contact transactions. And that's the kind of thing you're talking about, John, is, is each business has to figure out how can it adapt and promote that adaptation in this 
environment so that they succeed. Exactly. I think the key here is small business owners or business owners in general are optimistic. We went in business to do good and support a community and have a lifeline for, you know, the people that you love and care about, right? So end of the day, we are real people going through a situation that has never been seen in anyone's lifetime. So at this time of need, you also have to understand the, the reality of what your customers are going through as well. Are they still going to be spending the same amount on items that you're pro, uh, producing or servicing, right? If not, how can you position them and make them feel more comfortable when they are ready? So you got to be there when they're in need, but also be there when they are looking for you, right? So right now it's a time where it's so important to just continually produce good content, position yourself, but also educate them on what you are doing differently so that when things get better, you're in way better position. Well said. Yeah, no matter what your messaging is, and if you're a business that's doing well right now, uh, you still have to change your messaging so that you don't appear tone deaf. You've got to acknowledge this new environment that everybody's living in. So even if you're doing well, you can't sit back and say, well, I'm not going to change my Google ad copy or I'm not going to change my website message. It's a different place for consumers. What suggestions would you have, John, for messaging for businesses who might be doing well right now so that they don't appear tone deaf? So I'm always a proponent of pivoting and understanding who your audience is and what mediums works, right? So tracking for sure, um, understanding what works and what doesn't, and always continually investing in different mediums. So if you haven't been focusing on doing more Zoom or Skype calls or whatever it may be, learn it, understand that platform and understand that medium very well. Understand how you can leverage social media if you've never done it before, right? Because now a lot of people are offering a lot of webinars and it's a lot of education where you're now at home, right? Like you're stuck at home, you, you can't get to the store or whatever. So you have a lot more time to understand this stuff. So. Not just the messaging part, but realizing as a business owner, you need to continually evolve. You cannot be stagnant. The, the content, the messaging, the strategies, you got to continue testing, right? What links are working? Where does it work? Maybe there's more association links that you could reach out to because they're a lot less busy today not holding events, maybe pitch a webinar, pitch out a newsletter, uh, whatever it may be. Like, just try to think of ways where you can help your audience members as opposed to sell them stuff, educate right. them. So look at opportunities, look at ways to really impact your audience, but also help because a lot of people need help. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to focus on your exposure, as you mentioned. And one of the things that I think folks can uh, focus on are making sure they rank in that local pack. And today we're seeing more and more bogus listings yes. on Google My Business, which is suffocating legitimate real businesses, taking away valuable opportunities. What can a local business do when they see an illegitimate Google My Business listing? And can you help them identify what an illegitimate Google My Business listing looks like? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing you should do is uh, log into your Google My Business page and make, well, take a look at the three pack or whatnot and see if anyone's stuffing title tag. That's the first place. If it's not a legitimate business, that's a legal entity that you can actually check get them out on their website. Usually it's on the footer or whatnot. Um, if they're stuffing keywords right there, that's spam, right? Fill out a business readdressal complaint form. Google has that URL where you can just update that. And that should be um, the first line of defense, right? Log in, submit it. That may get uh, reflected right away so that it cleans up some of the cert results. John, have they been responsive to you on those? So the challenge is because they got other things to worry about with this right. COVID-19, there's a huge delay on any spam, <laughs> any <laughs> complaint going on. And right now I'm waiting either, even up to one month and longer. So I don't know what is going on in the back end, um, but I know that eventually things will clear up and they'll you know get through this, right? Like everyone else, um, people might just have to understand like, 
you know, this is a process that they put in place. You just have to follow the procedures. There's no quick way or quick fix to this, but follow best practices. So spam, just readdress the whole form. Um, and then make sure that you can continue updating your own services, right? Like the hours, the description, what are you currently offering today? Are they, is it the same services? If not, update it. Is it the same categories? If not, update it, right? And then the other thing is uh, reviews and reputation, right? So continually contacting your existing base of just making sure that you're running a good business, right? So offer, letting customers know, like, because I'm doing this for you, like being a good business owner, which is allowing you to um, maybe offer up something in terms of like more more uh, services up front or gift cards or give like two for one deals. But then in return, if they've been loyal customer and you haven't got a review yet, start asking all your customers on that, right? It gives you a chance to actually focus on ensuring that you're optimized properly on your GMB page, right? And listing. Um, and setting up that properly, really. If you haven't focused on it in the in times that when you're busy, and really focus on the comments, responses, images, posting weekly, like all that other stuff that most people understand, but they get too busy, they forget about it. Is this a good time for a business to solicit reviews? So we have been, because we've been an SEO company trying to do best practices by giving all our clients content and advice on how to go through it, get through this time. So again, it all depends on how loyal your customers are and how good they are to you. And if you've built a strong relationship with them, like you have to understand where they are at in terms of what they're going through. So if you are a B2B company, a business owner like ourselves, we always are engaging with them. But if you're B2C and you have services, say you're a dental office or a lawyer office or whatnot, it might not be the best time, but if you're constantly messaging them with um, a newsletter and updating them on all the webinars and stuff that you're doing or blogs that you're producing, it might be just another way to start attracting more reviews as well. Like subtly include it in a message, email blast or whatnot. John, what do you foresee in the Google My Business profile in the post-COVID-19 era? For example, I could see where there's going to be a whole new list of attributes uh, and an attribute is required to wear a mask to enter and an attribute is uh, lines outside the store or controlled entry into the store on that. Can you foresee any other changes that might happen in Google My Business in the post-COVID era? Yeah, I always look at um, different countries, right? So if you look at how... Taiwan, Singapore, um, South Korea is adapting to the real reality of post-COVID. North America is three months behind, right? So if you look at how businesses are operating, and I know actually I have friends living in South Korea and Singapore, so I actually talk to them and get a gauge of how life is. That's how we can transform our business to adapt to it and be more proactive, right? So in terms of GMB, for instance, yes, you mentioned the attributes. There might be, uh, you know, things that you can add, like wear a mask and whatnot. But again, I don't know how Google is going to react overall because they have to make this a rollout for everyone. And that might take some time. It could be six months, a year down the line, right? So it's not going to happen right away. But look forward to changes for sure. Look forward to things that you can really impact the users, right? So a messaging platform or ways to communicate better with your customers, things that are more transparent. That might be other things that Google may look at. I, again, we don't know. Google, I, I don't have the insides of what's going on in Google. But I can just say from experience, Google is always trying to generate revenue, right? Ways to, to get more ad space and spend. So if you can be in alignment with just being on top of what's going on in the Google My Business community, looking on the local forums and um, following certain, certain influencers in the local space, you'll have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, think about the challenge that Google has here. 
Google has invested a lot of time into making sure that you and I and Robert as users, not as SEOs, when we go to a business's listing, that the information is accurate and that they don't send us to a business is closed. And over the years, they've done a number of things to make sure that the hours are accurate. For a while, they were putting that scarlet letter warning on the hours saying these hours may not be verified. They expanded the functionality of the hours to include special hours and custom hours. Now, we could be coming out of the post-COVID era where they can't assume that every movie theater is open or that every restaurant is open or that if a restaurant is open, all of its capabilities are open. So now they've got this challenge of directing users to singularly the most accurate source of information, which is their mission. And they've got to adapt not only the platform, but they've got to adapt the small business owners to put in the content to make it accurate that they absolutely need to sustain themselves as the most trusted platform for small business information. Yeah, it's more important than ever to verify and update and keep your customers in the loop of what's going on. The challenge is business owners get so busy. They're working 12, 14, 16 hour days just to survive as a small business, right? And they rely on the public to really go in and make edits and start doing the updates for them, right? Like that's the challenge for a lot of local business owners. So now it's a time for you to actually reflect to see what's going on in your business, what your competitors are doing, how you can actually be more proactive and do what is right, verify and get in front of your real customers and be as user facing as possible, front facing. As well as like, you know, enabling like uh, for Google My Business, uh, you know, the SMS messaging and, and that type of stuff. Yeah. Just making sure that it's set up properly. Uh, a lot of people just don't use all full functionality, right? Because right. They, they don't know how to UTM everything, right? Track everything, monitor everything, see if it even works. Like a lot of people are just, they're happy with what's going on, that they don't care what else needs to be done. But Google is trying to improve the user experience all the time, right? So if you're on top of it or someone's on top of it for them, at least they know what's going on. Um, and they can easily pivot and add to their services, et cetera. And Robert, you bring up a, a really important topic because one article that I read, which was super interesting, is that consumers will come out of this COVID era even lazier than they were before because they got even more accustomed to things being delivered to them. Mm. And so now we, 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 the three of us know as experts that that Google My Business listing and the Google search engine results page itself is now where a lot of vital consumer decisions are happening, right? The website is being as a lesser position now. A lot of people think that's going to heighten in the post-COVID era so that more purchase decisions, deep purchase decisions, are going to be based on what is seen on the SERP and not necessarily seen on the website so that optimization now isn't about websites. Optimization is about what's on that search engine results page. And so some of the integrations that Google My Business offers become more important. And will that integration list expand so that people can make a decision and an action right then and right there on the SERP without going to the website? Exactly. That could be a new embed on takeout restaurants, takeout delivery, um, even having services offered like meetings with a Zoom link potentially or whatever it may be, a platform. Um, messaging that's more web-based like these technologies and people are becoming more you know familiar with it now that they're stuck at home all day long um, people are kind of evolving and they might like this new reality versus the old bricks and mortar reality of going to a storefront yeah don't say that too loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very true i mean why hasn't google incorporated hangouts into google my business why why not? And, and that could be something that comes out of the post-COVID era is that you go to a company's Google My Business listing and there you see an opportunity to engage on a hangout about a particular product tonight at seven o'clock or participate in a hangout about yeah. being taught this particular skill set today at two o'clock. So your your video content, your educational content may be accessible through your Google My Business listing as a result of this. Yeah, everything's possible, right? Um, because what is the key driver usability like usership 
right? If there's a huge volume of uptake on certain queries, certain things that Google people are looking for, they're going to start incorporating it. Yeah. Right? And then eventually find out a way to monetize. John, let's say you're a business owner listening to the show and, and he decides to take your advice and he says, okay, it's a good time for me to get deep into this closet and kind of clean this out. He looks at his reviews and he sees a review in there that he's 100% sure is fake and it's a negative review. What what should he do? So again, it depends on the duration, how long, what try to track to see what that user profile has done. Um, are they spamming a lot of other people or is it a legitimate review that someone actually wrote bad, right? Um, the challenge is how do you prove to the, you know, Google that um, this is a spam? Like, do you have any evidence? Do you have any emails? Do you have any source information to prove to Google or is this, or is it malicious, right? Like figure out what is the true intent of it and if you have proof, sure. But the, the other thing is always respond to every single review, positive or negative, and make it a habit. So the, the key is make sure that it's responsive in a timely manner, not like one or two years later. Do it within days or weeks later so that if it is negatively impacting your business, the person who did write that uh, negative review and you responded, they'll get an email notification saying that someone responded to your negative review. And hopefully that shows like it was either a mistake or, you know, if it was spam, then that's what they do, right? Like they're spammers. But if you can track that somehow and let them know and inform them early on, then you're better equipped for the future. So it's all about habits, like running a business, a good business is foundationally running, you know, running a good business 20 years ago, right? Word of mouth should, you know, supersede from overall, right? But, but this is pretty much word of mouth on, on digitally, right? Like the reviews and reputation. So make sure that your reputation is consistent across all channels and you're constantly commenting. All right, John, we got to take a break for our sponsors. We're going to be doing what's called Who Influences the Influencer, sponsored by Directive, right after these messages. Hey, Brennan here, founder of the U.S. search award-winning SEO agency, Pixel Cut Labs. We're launching a new video series, and we're inviting the Search Talk Live family to get involved. So here's the deal. I'm opening up a group of one-on-one -on -one consulting sessions to fix your SEO roadblocks. If you're okay with us publishing a recording of the call on our website to promote our expertise, the consulting session is on me. If you're facing a crawl issue, struggling with creating effective content, or just need some help identifying the right keywords to target, go ahead and take the next two minutes. Visit bit.ly slash SEO call. There's no spaces, no capitals, no hyphens. Bit.ly slash SEO call and tell me what you need help with. If I think I can help, I'll send over a few times for our consulting call and you can choose what works for you. So again, the link is bit.ly slash SEO call, no spaces, no hyphens, all lowercase, and it will take about two minutes to fill out. I'll bring everything to the table to help you break through the barriers you're facing, as long as we can use the recording of our call to promote our knowledge. Looking forward to hearing from you. Directive is an industry-leading search marketing agency fully focused on helping B2B marketing teams increase their results. If you're looking to increase your marketing qualified leads and decrease your cost per acquisition for search engines, I'd highly recommend you take a look at their site. We've actually had their CEO, Garrett Marguth, on the show, and I can honestly say these guys are doing some great stuff. I hear that they even have their own analytics system that lets you correlate your SEO, PPC, or content efforts directly to revenue. If you're a B2B company and thinking about switching agencies, or if you're in-house and need help, I'd give Directive a look. Visit directiveconsulting.com or call 949-214-4024. Again, that's 949-214-4024. Again, that's directive at directiveconsulting.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. 
Smileytics transforms your website analytics data into easy to understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smileytics. S M Y L E Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smileytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smileytics. S M Y L E Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smileytics.com. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag Search Talk Live and your question. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. So, John, tell me, who influences you? Who do you keep up with? Uh, so, to be honest, um, I am not very strong on social media. So, I don't follow, like, I was born in an era of traditional media. So, I worked at Yellow Pages. I, I was influenced by a lot of sales reps that were really good, polished. 20, 30 year veterans that actually built strong relationships with customers. So my honest opinion is I trusted a lot of people that actually had real experience on building real relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Versus online influencers. Um, So yes, I do follow some people on Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal, like Lauren Baker. I I do, I joined Traffic Think Tank. So there's a lot of SEO people in there um, that I follow. But and then, of course, there's a lot of software as well, right? Like the HREFs, SEMrush, Moz, people that I follow. Um, But ultimately, I truly believe that how I started the business was trusting and engaging with people that I trusted as really strong, good, well-being people, like running good uh, businesses, being transparent, uh, being just genuine people, that's who I gravitate towards, mm-hmm. um, that has real life experience, like 20, 30 year veterans of something. That's who I follow. Nice. You know, it's a challenge for business owners today to, to do what you said, because, you know, their, their gut uh, tells them one thing. And yet they know that there's more to digital marketing today than they realize. How do they balance exactly what you've just talked about? that gut instinct that they've kind of grown up with versus living in a world where things are changing, particularly right now, uh, almost by the hour techniques. How do they balance that? Yeah, that's the biggest challenge. In this digital day and age, um, people are always chasing, right? People are always chasing shares, likes. They want to know what's going on. They're, they're stuck in front of their smartphones, tablets, PC all day long, where I was born in an age where I didn't even have a cell phone or a pager back then, right? Like my computer was, I had to get into the office and then load up the office windows and pick up the phone and start making calls. It's very hard to speak to today's millennials and the younger generation where they're so used to that immediate action and answer and query right away. It's very difficult where you had to hustle to get it. Exactly. (laughs) Or, or time was of the essence. Like you value time. Like I took an hour to commute to work, but when I was working, I focused on working right now. There's so many distractions. There's pop-ups, there's news feeds, there's, you know, everything imaginable you can find at your fingertips, right? And therefore, how focused are people, really? Are you presently doing what you can do at the best of your abilities? I doubt it. That's the biggest challenge. Like when I do business and I only work certain hours because end of the day, I want to spend as much time with my son as possible. And I close shop at five o'clock. And therefore, during work hours, I need to be as productive as possible. I don't need this clutter and need, you know, things that actually slow you down in terms of your frame of mind. So what I do is early on in the day, I set up, you know, 5 a.m. club, Robin Sharma, make sure that I have purposeful, intentful list of things and actionable things I need to get done. Then throughout the day, I need to get through that list and then. You know, if I have time, like a break, I go out and start reading about what's going on in the news. But don't get bombarded with all the email inquiries and all the emails that come in at you all day long, right? With all the publications that you're 
subscribe to because you can spend hours on and reading all that. Make sure you allocate time to what's important. And when you're running a business, focus on what is really important, which is your customers, really understanding who they are and what they're looking for and get better at dealing and focusing on what really matters, which is the revenue, the transaction, and ultimately the relationship. You know, one of the things that we uh, have to give to the millennials, I think, is they've become really good visual storytellers. Yes. And as, as we look at analytics data, we see that people are less and less willing to read text. And I think it's key for businesses today to become good visual storytellers in their sales. What tips do you have for businesses to become better visual storytellers? Embrace uh, all the mediums out there. What I've come to realize is as much as your business owner that is so used to that uh, physical transaction, which, you know, storefront, talking to person, make sure that you kind of start filming on audio or using your phone um, and then posting little snippets, right? Get comfortable with technology and use it to your abilities, right? So with that smartphone, see if you can start recording some case studies and reviews, right? Um, talking to interactions and training your your customers on why you're doing this and how you want to leverage it for the digital space, right? Like technology can be used to your benefit, but also could be a... Uh, you know, detriment to your business as well, right? If you focus heavily on it and not knowing how to do it properly, right? You're going to be spinning your wheels. So start incorporating some aspects of it, such as audio, you know, podcasts, like what we're doing, uh, video, which is, you know, recording on your smartphone or if you have a digital camera, recording it, and then amplifying it on YouTube or social media or whatnot. And then, of course, the images like infographs and creating more of a survey research, um, understand your customers, and you can use it to create a great graph or image that hopefully gets picked up. So understand different mediums, which can then translate to you leveraging it for your you know audience and make sure be sure to know where your audience is don't just throw it on twitter or throw it on instagram if you're you know if you're throwing it on instagram and your audience is you know seniors or older people you're exactly. probably not going to see very many people you know but just knowing your audience i would say is do the two of you think that this is going to be a giant wake-up moment for business owners because here a lot of people are sitting at their house and they're watching national news shows with one of the anchors from their home and they're watching Jimmy Fallon do the Tonight Show from his home, presumably using uh, his iPhone or, or that. Do you think they're going to come out of this going, man, this is really simpler than I've been making it out to be? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, right? Um, right now, I know a lot of local business owners are struggling. Um, they've been working and maybe living paycheck to paycheck, right? Like they've been working crazy hours and especially if you're early days of your business, will they survive? If they're within three or five years of your business running, do they have enough cash flow to go uh, get them through this difficult time? We don't know what where they're at in terms of the state and how to position themselves getting out of this, um, you know, And but the, hopefully they have some cash stored in their a couple of months of savings to endure this uh, rough path. How to position yourself differently? I would say now that you know what may, this is the worst case scenario, like pandemic wise, this is way worse than any recessionary period. So if you're able to get through this period right now, you're gonna be way better off because you know what the worst can, how bottom it could be, which is, yeah. you know, hopefully people can get plugged through this and get through this. Like, I think that this will be another burst in user generated content. I think a lot of people will look at the time that we're in now and look back on how much content people are producing by themselves at a professional level. That's good enough for network consumption. I think part of that will be businesses saying, you know what, if it was good enough for the tonight show, then it's good enough for me. I, I can do this. I think we're going to see a lot of businesses move toward more business generated, less slickly produced content, more things that are more authentic and indigenous to the business. Yes. 
and that's a great point, right? Like now that you have a lot of time and you can actually cater your message to your ideal persona or audience um, and people get practice because now that they have a lot of time, they can actually refine the art and get better and they realize how easy it is and not really time consuming. Why pay, you know, try to do it uh, professionally when they can do it themselves and be more authentic, be more genuine, right? And that's what actually moves the needle way more as well to the audience members because people love real stories. People love like interacting with real genuine business owners, right? Being just themselves versus scripted, right? Mm -hmm. So the more you are in tune with your business and your customers and understand your audience and where they consume content, the better you're going to get through this, right? Moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, business is, you know, it depends on the business you're in, but like, for instance, restaurants, you know, they're thinking out of the box. They're saying, okay, well, we can't have people in the restaurant, but we can have deliveries or we can have um, people drive through and pick it up. Uh, you know, the people are being creative in a way that they've never been. Yeah, and think about how important video is for that because uh, yeah. we went out to uh, pick up a meal the other day and we went to uh, First Watch, a chain of restaurants down here, and they had a very systemic way to pick up your meal. They had tables that were numbered and each table was separated by six feet, and so it had a number one on it. And the message you got on your phone was, your meal is ready for pickup at table number one. Now, you can tell me that you're taking extra steps in this COVID era to keep me safe. But nothing that you're going to say is going to be able to describe that. When I saw it, I was I was blown away. I thought, wow, that is really going the extra mile. That would have been a great video because I could have mm -hmm. seen that. And I, that would have been way more impactful than somebody trying to tell me about the extra steps that they're taking. So some things have to be seen to be believed. I, With a lot of elective medical practices, they're saying that, hey, our waiting rooms are safer right now. How are they safer? What are, what are you doing? I think that's something you've got to be able to show. So they've reconfigured the waiting room. They take out the chairs so that people are standing in, in different places on that. You've got to show that. And that's a role that I think video is going to play in this post-COVID era is showing people the changes you made rather than telling people about the changes you made. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples out there. And there's lawyers that are doing video conferencing instead of, you know, meeting face-to-face -face with their clients and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's and show people samples of that. I mean, obviously you don't want to show a lawyer having a confidential discussion with a client, but Correct. you can do a little bit of what is a couple of seconds of what does that look like to make people feel comfortable to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Consuming content is def definitely going to be different. Um, not just written format, like video, the challenges uh, will business owners, actually film and do video content, right? Messaging. Um, and, you know, they should be incorporating it already if they haven't. Um, it just gives them another avenue of being as upfront as possible and hopefully people consume it differently because you can upload videos on GMB, you can upload videos on any platform and hopefully that generates more usership, right? User intent signals as well yeah and i think you're going to see a boon in businesses using video as a result of what they've watched while being homed for the covid19 era right well i think it's that time matt all right john it is time for believe it or leave it one of the most popular parts of search talk live we're going to give you three statements we've seen on the internet and we're going to ask you to tell our audience whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it are you ready Yes, go ahead. All right, number one, you should not respond to negative Google reviews, only the positive ones, so that you don't draw more attention to the negative reviews. Believe it or leave it? Leave it. Leave it, so respond to the negative reviews as well. Yes, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> number two, using the temporary close function in Google My Business will harm your local search rankings. Believe it or leave it? Leave it. Interesting. There's a lot of conspiracy theorists online who disagree with that statement. They're pretty convinced that they're gonna that's gonna harm you long term. In fact, there was and where we got this from, John, was 
uh, somebody who wrote an article that advocated don't use the temporarily closed function, but instead change your standard business hours to being closed every day. And like everything, it should be tested. But uh, so your advice is to leave it. Yeah, like we've tested it as well. And again, because we are open, uh, I mean, it's business as usual, right? But we're not storefront, but we do accept calls. So, I mean, as long as you're transparent with the audience, right? Like you're running a business and Google, as much as they want you to be transparent, we are still running a business. We are not storefront based, right? Like we're now moved indoors, like at home, but we're still running a business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's number three. And it's a super interesting one, John. Photos that are uploaded to your Google My Business profile that were taken in the geographic area that you want to rank for and therefore have that location in the metadata will help you rank in the local pack for queries containing that geography. Leave it. Oh, really? You don't believe that? Nope. Huh. I think someone's got to do a test on this. Are you talking about like the EXIF data or? Yeah, so if you take the photo on your phone and you're located in City X when you take the photo, and so that metadata is now in the photo, and what the article said, which was expressing a theory that said, hey, so if you've got a bunch of photos in your GMB listing that all contain that that City X metadata, that that is a signal uh, that will help you rank for that geography name. For image search, but not locale, like the search term plus the city. There's, you know, the image search is different in terms of um, what Google's looking for, optimizing for images. Yeah, no, this author was saying for query plus city. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. I don't think so, but test it out. <laughs> test it, it be, out for sure. Yeah, it'd be an interesting thing to test, wouldn't yeah. it? Especially if you're one of those businesses that you're located in a geographic unit just outside the main city that might be used yep. in more queries. And you, where do you take all your photos? You take your photos in your business that are located in your city. So your metadata of the photos is not the city that you want to rank for. What if you were to go and take some photos when you were physically located in that city? Would that help? It's an interesting theory. It should definitely be tested. And John, we'll share with you real quickly. We had a guest on, I think it was about a year ago this time, uh, that uh, was espousing an interesting theory And I think he got it off one of the forms, but this business owner had his cell phone number as the number in his GMB listing. And he noticed that he got more calls from a particular geographic unit when he physically was in that city. Yeah, but I don't understand if that would work because Google doesn't pull geodata from a phone number. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't think so. But I thought it was super interesting. I did yeah. the same thing. But what do we know for sure? We know for sure that Google knows where the phone is. Yeah, and the XF data, which is the data that's in the images, I'm with John on that one. I think maybe in Google Images, but not in search. There's or other they, factors that are way more relevant that will move the needle than yeah. the image search. Right. Even if it is a signal, it certainly can't be one of the dominant signals. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great help. Thank you, John. Yeah. So, John, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, We have one more segment. So, John, it's time now for our Search Talk Live tattoo. Will you give our audience the best, most succinct piece of advice uh, based on what we've talked about today in the show? What should they remember about today's show? I'm all about um, making sure you're running a good business and being authentic as possible. So keep engaging with your real customers um, and really just being transparent walk them through what's going on and be honest with them, right? Like the more you're genuine during these uncertain times, people will respect you and they'll value you way more and keep that stickiness in the long term. You're really building a solid relationship and foundation for your business. And John, you've reiterated that throughout the whole show. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, they're not just your clients. You're kind of in it with them together as partners, you know, and that's that's huge. All right, John. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. And again, if if someone wants to get a hold of you online, you said you're not much of a social guy. Do you have a, a, a place they can go with your website and all that good stuff? Yeah, they can check out our website. It's uh, www.localseosearch.com. 
www.ca.ca. We're based here in Toronto, Canada, um, but we do service uh, throughout uh, North America and global. So great. You could always reach out to me if you're interested in learning more about local uh, search. I'm here about educating people. We have abundance of webinars that we're constantly updating and giving value and educating our uh, audience members on. So you can reach out to me and I'll help you, um, you know, understand this whole space better. Yeah. And one thing I did notice, you have a great YouTube channel. I think you should share that because there's a lot of good information on there too. Yeah. We actually have our own podcast as well. And we have over 150 episodes. Um, it's wow. called Local SEO Today. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of, you know, if you're a small business owner or business owner in general, where we talk more than just SEO, we talk about how to run an effective business, right? Uh, foundational mm-hmm. things not to do, things to do, you know, really look at how to leverage, find out recurring revenue base, figure out how to streamline your costs, things that actually will make a bigger impact to running a good business. Nice. Very nice. Well, again, thank you so much. Lots of great information. Check out his YouTube channel. I I went through it a little bit and uh, check out his podcast. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Robert. You're welcome. All right, guys. It's been another great show. Separated properly by social distance, but a great show. And by the way, Robert, coming up next on our next show, we've got another great guest who can dive deeper into local search. Uh, Greg Sterling from Uberall is coming up on the next show. Yes. And uh, also check us out on Twitter. You could type hashtag search talk live. If you have a question for us, we will ask, answer it live on the air. Also, please go by and visit our sponsors, Pixel Cut Labs at pixelcutlabs.com and Directive, directiveconsulting.com. Both of those, if you enjoy the show, thanks to our sponsors, we have this show. So please check them out. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Search Talk Live is brought to you by Pixel Cut Labs, a 2019 U.S. Search Award-winning SEO agency. Welcome to Page One. If you have a question about today's show or would like to be a sponsor, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's Robert at searchtalklive.com.